you really need to you need to take a look at yourself and 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 embrace that that vulnerability and say am i willing to be challenged because when you say you want a catalyst you just understand they're going to ask questions not to challenge you but to really kind of understand what is the change that you really want to seek i'm tracy lovejoy and I'm Shannon Lucas. We are the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change around the world. This is our podcast, Move, Move Fast, Fast, Break Shit, Shit Burnout, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world that amazed Shannon and I for sure. And in that vein, we are so excited to have time today with Trent Cotton, who has been blowing our mind in this, this pre-conversation. We're excited to bring him into the life with you. So Trent joined the HR industry in 2004 after working as a sales leader within the financial services industry for eight years. And he spent the first few years in HR trying to fit in before he found his own voice. But I, I'm curious, Trent, if that's really true. Were you really fitting in, right? We'll, we'll hear about that in just a second. In fact, he chose to leverage all the things that he once hated about HR to transform his career and become a consultant and invaluable partner to the businesses that he now supports. His passion is to lead, innovate, and engage the recruiting industry to change how both large and small businesses value the talent acquisition discipline. His blog, which you should definitely check out, SprintRecruiting.com, reaches thousands of readers and provides unique insights on a range of recruiting topics. He published his first book last year in 2021, which I'm hoping we'll hear about, Sprint Recruiting, Innovate, Iterate, Accelerate, and he is one of the top 25 leaders to pay attention to in HR in 2022 from Viz... Vizier. Vizier. Oh, I, I thought Vizier. it was screwed up. Vizier, Vizier. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So thank you so much for being here with us, Trent. Hey, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to stumble on it. I was like, give her time, give her time. No, I just, I got to jump in. I got to say it. <laughs> See, I love that both of you rose up to save me. Thank you. I feel, I feel supportive. So Trent, I would love to kick off, kick off hearing how do you relate to the concept of cattle? Oh, gosh. Um, I have always been one that asked why. Uh, my nickname in school was the Riddler because I never I never just took things at face value. There's always a better way of doing things, a more efficient way, a more inclusive way. Um, so I think it's just been, it's just part of my genetics or or DNA. I don't know how you want to, to blame that particular excuse, but I always like to look at, okay, this is great. This is how we're doing it now. But I also struggle with because I want to see how how are we going to do it in five years, and I want to start pushing us there. So it's it's a kind of a constant battle that I live in mentally, uh, and also slowing myself down because a lot of times I'm leading teams, and I have to remember that not everybody else moves at the pace that I do. Whenever it comes to change, yeah, it's that's a hard lesson to learn, and uh, I love as you said, it's in the DNA, right? It's a <laughs> shout out to the gentleman who brought us together, Chad from the Yay. Chad and Cheese podcast, right? HR's most dangerous podcast because he looked at us all and we're like, oh, you all share yes. DNA, right? <laughs> yes. Right? So yep. we're easy to spot in the world if you know what you're looking for. So I totally, yes. I totally understand that. So we'd love to hear, we know that you have been doing a lot through your years and kind of innovating, accelerating mm -hmm. in the HR industry. So what is it that you're catalyzing these days? Set up the context for us. Oh, gosh. My, my biggest passion now is getting businesses and talent leaders so that could be HR leaders that could be talent acquisition recruiting whatever you want to call yourselves continue to kind of bridge that gap because there, there's been this big chasm and I think believe it or not I think 2020 with the pandemic and everything really forced 
business leaders to understand the true value of talent and for talent practitioners to understand the gap that that still sits on the table. You know, we can't sit in our little HR wizard of Oz saying all these HR acronyms that no one understands. We really need to start speaking to the mindset of our businesses whenever it comes to talent. So the way that I look at talent is I am a, a vital function within an organization. So at the end of the day, yeah, they can have robots and everything. That's fine. But most organizations, they need to understand how do I attract? How, how do I develop? How do I engage? And how do I retain talent? That That's that's my world. So if I'm looking at myself as the chief of talent, I mean, that's not technically my talent, my, my role, but that's how I see myself. So everyone in this company, I own them from the time they say hello until the time I'm sending them a retirement check. And my job is to make sure that I am always the voice. So instead of the voice of the customer, I'm the voice of the employee and the voice of the prospective employee and how we're going to line that up against the business initiatives to be able to hit the profit goals, to be able to hit, you know, whatever profit goals, uh, anything. Whenever it comes to talent, I'm the first stop. So it's kind of bridging that gap. And so talk to me a little bit about how the principles that you have set out that I got to see in your book, how that helps with this, this way that you're, you're trying to disrupt and, and push the talent industry. Um, so I have a huge passion for Agile. I went through Agile training in 2017, along with Design Thinking, Kanban, and another training. And a huge shout out to Rosalind Houston. She is now the CHRO over at Santander. But uh, I sent her a text, I think last year, after I had left the bank, about six months in. I sent her a text. I said, I just have to thank you because I know you drugged me into those classes, kicking and screaming. But they have completely transformed how I look at things. Because for the longest time, I wanted to change. And sometimes change just for the sake of change without direction is chaos. And that's, mm. if I look at my career, I created a lot of chaos unintentionally. Now with Agile, I look at it and go, here's where I want to be. Let's break this into two-week sprints. What can get done? Now Now that I have that two-week sprint, what's the most important for me to get done over these two weeks? I'll break it down by the hour. So for me, I have every day I use that Eisenhower matrix and say, what are the three things that I've got to get done today? What do I need to delegate? What do I need to decide? And what do I need to delete? And I have a tendency to come off as a jerk because if you send me in a, a meeting request without an agenda, I'm going to say, where is this? Because if it doesn't fit those first three, I'm going to ask to delay or I'm going to deny it. And so what it, what the, the agile process has allowed me to do is just kind of create a, a nice, good, easy rhythm for me to make sure that I'm constantly moving toward that change. I also applied it to recruiting because recruiting is a shit show sometimes just from a chaos, pardon the French, there's no other way to really describe it. It's just mass chaos. And so what we do in, in sprint recruiting is we recruit in sprints. We make the business assign priority to the top roles. We honor WIP limits, the work in progress limits, and that's the number of candidates. And then we also require feedback within 48 hours. And all four of those together creates this nice balance that creates, um, kind of calms the whirlwind of normal business and helps you really kind of see what do I need to get done? And then everything else has to come in and justify itself against those goals. So that, that helps the recruiters. But as a leader, I can also challenge the leaders and say, okay, you're saying that this role over here is most important, 
but I just got off of a profit call and we're missing it because these three roles over here are not important. So do you really want to, well, let's rethink about what's really priority. Do you want to fill the seat because it's been open for 90 days? Or do you want to fill this one over here because it's costing us money? Or, you know, we're, we're going to have to mitigate some risk if we don't get this filled this sprint. So it changes the, the dynamics. There's so much I, I love in that. Um, and as I read it, it's so deeply resonated. I feel like, uh, you know, Shannon and I write about the catalysts have within them systems that are so like design thinking and like agile. And so I love these frameworks because mm -hmm. they help us kind of make sense of the way we tend to be naturally inside. But yes, I do experience recruiting as really chaotic and I never quite understand, you know, where's the priority and what's it going. And I read this and I love this, it's the same thing we teach in classes in general with catalysts of like, have that clarity of vision, right? The business defines the priority. And mm -hmm. I hear you saying like, are like within that, like, what's the goal? This is what I heard mm -hmm. the business goal is. And so how do we align to that? And then I love the frameworks that are embedding this notion of constant iteration and feedback. Yes. Because mm -hmm. it just helps it move forward in such an efficient way. I felt so calm reading through this. <laughs> well, thank you. It, it's almost like, it's uh, and and I don't know if if you maybe have this, but sometimes when there there there's project or work or, or something, I don't have that that gratification. Like I like to go out and clean something, you know. Or I was sharing with you, I reorganized the closet. I need to, I need to see something from beginning to end, you know. Right. And I think that a lot of people that are like us search for that, and that that's what I like about the agile framework is yeah. it, it it breaks it in at the end of two weeks you can go i hit the mark i missed the mark and if i missed the mark where did i miss the mark so i don't repeat repeat that stupid mistake going into the next sprint and that, that's what i said it, it just it, it calms some of the chaos yeah so what have been the lessons that you've been learning as you've been applying some of these into recruiting into the business world um two uh there's <laughs> whenever i left bbba uh, the team roasted me i had 33 people that reported to me and uh, they know i don't take myself seriously and um i had I had one that gave me advice she says remember not everyone changes and moves and adapts as quickly as you and that was something that i had to learn the hard way because i ran a lot of probably really good employees off because i just saw it as black and white change or die and there's something in between that as a leader that I've got to kind of help them get over into the change. And I wasn't selling or explaining the why. And, and that's something that I, that's some guilt that I lived with that I don't stay in it, but I, I learn from it. So whenever I'm initiating change, I go through and I, I really kind of break down the why. And I try to calm this inner A type personality that just wants to drive, drive, drive and, and help people kind of get there on their own. And the other thing that I've learned is that there are a lot of organizations out there that say, I love change. We want a change agent. And then a change agent comes in there and you become the cancer. You get nominated nomenclature as the cancer of the organization because you keep asking why. Why are we doing it this way? So I, I think um, for, for, for me now, looking at, at organizations, I realized during that, that interview process, I have every bandwidth to be able to push. And, and if I'm going to tick you off in the interview, just imagine what I'm going to do whenever I get in there. So I'd rather go ahead and kind of get that hard part out of the way. So whenever I come in, it's not like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? I told you I was going to change things. I told you I was going to break some stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't know why you're acting surprised. Uh, you know, we, 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 we all kind of got here. Um, you know, it's not oh, like yeah, a mail-order bride. 
you know yeah well well and and i think i learned that very very recently that was a, a very tough decision but i like to look at, at things as what's the lesson and how can i learn yeah. and going into the current environment that i'm in or the current company that i'm in i mean i i drilled the leadership team and just said this is what i like to do and this is what i have a tendency of doing here's the good bad and the ugly are you willing to accept me for who i am and also challenged me to grow in the areas that I need to. And, and once we had that mutual agreement, then I said, okay, let's do this. That's uh, it's, it takes so long. I find for catalysts as leaders to, to grow that self-awareness, mm -hmm. um, to have the humility to own where we have all stepped in those, those moments oh, yeah. and left people behind and burned some bridges. Right. And then mm -hmm. be able to really introduce yourself as that change maker and own, you know, this is, this is where, this is where you're going to need to, you know, kind of bring me in. Um, oh, but yeah. I love, I love how you call out that, that pain of, you know, you feel duped. And, you know, mm -hmm. like you say that, so like we all knew we were getting here, you know, yeah. what's the surprise? So thank you for yeah. helping us articulate these things in, in really easy to understand scenarios. Yeah, I, I remember uh, one of the, uh, the, the the team that roasted me, they actually gave like a medicine bottle that had warning labels for my new team. And uh, <laughs> I loved it because all of them, I've still got it, uh, but all of them, I laugh because they are 100% accurate. Like one of my former leaders said that, uh, no, what was it? Because how she put it was so nice. Uh, no one can silence a room by asking the question that everyone wants to ask, but no one has the courage to, like Trent. Because I would just ask something and go, why are we, this is asinine. Why are we talking about this? And everyone would just kind of look around and, you know, and, but, but I learned, because I would feel very insecure after it came out. I mean, I should feel insecure before it comes out. I've never learned that. I'm 44. I'm not going to change. But what I did <laughs> learn is that me going out there and making myself kind of a, the target of attack actually gave air cover for a lot of other people in the room that said, well, if he can get away with saying that, I can go one step down. And it started a healthy conversation that needed to be had. Mm -hmm. So I think the other thing that I've learned is how to be present and own that vulnerability and understand that that's the start for the catalyst. Maybe I'm throwing myself out there. Maybe I'm gonna get the first shots over the bow, but other people in the room probably need someone like us to start that conversation. And so much good comes out of it. Standing ovation. And if you have a photo of those bottles anywhere, we would love to post that with, with this interview. I know Shannon is dying to ask you a question about recruiting. Right, so we'll let her, let her jump in. Yeah. I have a question, which is, um, we, I'm curious as a talent acquisition person, how you think about mm -hmm. how maybe high potential, or if you think if high potential sort of shifted, um, because I heard you say this earlier about like people who can crush the things that are in front of them versus this growth mindset and agile. And I'm wondering, mm -hmm. like, you know, have organizations started to make that pivot? How do you think about, yeah, how high potential might be shifting versus like hiring catalyst potentially mm -hmm. as high impact people? Again, it gets down to that culture. It gets down to the, it gets down to the organizations that really want to. Um, so let me, let me back up and talk about whenever I'm hiring someone for my team. Do I hire recruiters? Yes. Do I like to? No, because I would I would rather train than untrain any day of the week. Untraining is exhausting. Um, this is how we did it at such and such bank. Fantastic. Go back there. <laughs> You're here. This is how we need to do things because we 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 don't want to be like that other bank. And you came over here because you don't want to be like them. 
So what I like to do is I like to go and find people with that competency. What are the competencies that I'm looking for? I want relationship builders. I want people, they've got a sales mindset, but not, not like that icky sales, like you need to go take a shower after you talk to them kind of a person, that, that real slick consultative. I want people that are intellectually curious. I want someone to raise their hand and go, Trent, you're creating a mess. All right, cool. Let's talk about it. Let's impact that. And I want someone that is a team player. A lot of sales organizations, leader, leadership openings, they look for that all-powerful, wonderful leader. But at, at that leader's core, they are a lone wolf. They want to howl at the moon and hear themselves. They don't care about the rest of the pack. And they will slowly deteriorate the entire organization. So I want that person that comes in and says, I don't want to get to the top. I want us to get there. And how are we going to do that? And I'm really, really big about pronoun usage. Um, I was talking to a candidate that everybody loved not too long ago. And I said, um, I don't like their pronouns. And of course, you know, being LGBTQI, everybody was like, what you? He, he says, you know, they're them, he, I said, no, 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 I'm not talking about those. When that person spoke, it was I, and it was me. I heard no we, I heard no we did this or how our team did this. I am very much into the collective success. Um, so getting to your answer, I think organizations are starting to see it. I think we're probably on the tip of the iceberg. Some are doing better than others, of course. I think startups are having to look at that, especially in this talent market, mm -hmm. because going in and, and, and hiring what you need may not be out there or you can't afford it. So how do you do a drop back and punt strategy? I think that's a good sports analogy. If it's not, hopefully you understood what it meant. But how do we go back and we find that, that competency? So at the, at the core, what are we looking for? And what are we yeah. willing to train and develop? And with that comes loyalty and retention and engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that just pays off dividends. So it, it's more of an investment than it is a purchase of talent. And that, that's, that's a conversation I'm having a lot with talent leaders, with leaders, with our clients of saying, okay, what you want, you can't afford. Um, let's talk about what, what you can do and, and redirecting them and, and looking for those people. Thank you. I mean, I'm one of those, I'm one of those. I mean, who, who would have thought that a banker could have come in and done HR, especially one that spent as much time in HR for violating HR laws. Um, <laughs> Shut imagine up. you in HR jail, Trent. Like, oh God, I had my own office. I mean, there, there were several times where I did something and as it came out, I just kind of looked and I, I remember uh, one time telling my assistant manager, I said, when HR calls, tell them I'm already on the way, I'll be in the corner office. <laughs> and sure enough, I walked in, she goes, I was about to call you. I said, I know, we can just take our little office over here and just I'll sign the papers, let's go. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, I'm gonna let Shan keep going and dive us into rapid fire questions. Yes. All right. All right. Quickly, in two minutes or less, what actionable nuggets of advice do you have for catalysts out there? Out there, or said another way, what do you wish you had known at 20 about being a catalyst? Oh, it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. That's the biggest one. Because um, I always thought, in order to to initiate the change. I had to have that bulletproof vest to take on all of the onslaught of, um, you know, negative kind of, I wouldn't say negativity, but you know, people just, when you challenge the norm, you get challenged. And so I developed this really, really thick skin and I yeah. kept people at bay. Um, but now I've learned to kind of embrace that moment of being vulnerable and use it as a catalyst for me to grow, but also as a catalyst to actually have a really good heart to heart conversation. You're making me teary. That's an incredible answer. 
Oh, I'm you. super excited for this next question. So what advice do you have or would you give to executives about finding and leveraging their catalysts? I'll be careful what you ask for. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is for, for leaders, you really need to, you need to take a look at yourself and, and, and embrace that, that vulnerability and say, am I willing to be challenged? Because when you say you want a catalyst, you just understand they're going to ask questions not to challenge you, but to really kind of understand what is the change that you really want to seek? You know, we're, we're like doctors. I have a cough. Okay, fantastic. Describe the cough. I have a cough is what most leaders will say. You know, but for a catalyst, is a, that's kind of a cough, that's kind of a cough, because based off of that, it's going to be a different diagnosis about what the course of action is going to be. I think leaders sometimes just get burnt out with all of the questions. The other thing, too, is that, you know, a lot of times they, they want the person to come in and they want them to change within a box. We don't do that. Um, whenever I talk to leaders and say, if you want me to come in and help you facilitate change, understand you're going to draw that box and I'm going to color an inch outside of it before I come to you and say, I need your approval, because this is something I'm thinking that's a little bit wacky. So you need to give them latitude and you need to give them air cover. The biggest thing too for Catalyst, and I, I think both of you would probably agree, as much as we love to change and as, love as, as much as we love to be on that forefront, we also need to feel safe. And I don't think that that is something, I, I think I, I can speak personally and professionally, that this is probably the first time in my life that I felt safe in being who I need to be and who I was created to be. And that's something that leaders really need to provide true catalysts if they want them to really change their organization. Amen to that. Yes. Again, tears from experience. <laughs> All right. What's yeah. the worst part about being a catalyst? Oh, God, I, I alluded to it earlier. Seeing the vision of where you want to be. And having to live in the here and the now. Poke your eye out. Yeah, it, it's almost like like I explain it to people. Like, imagine having traveled to today and seeing the iPhone or the Droid, whatever you want to use, and the iPad and everything, and then having to go back to 1992 and talk to your boyfriend, girlfriend, your lover, whatever, and hope to God that you didn't wrap yourself up in the damn you know phone cord before your parents got home. You know, all of us know what that's like. And, and but to know this is coming, this is coming. I can't wait for this to come. That that's that's probably the biggest thing that I I struggle with is is remaining present, but also going there and getting excited about where we're going. Yes, these are amazing pearls of wisdom. All right, the best part about being a catalyst. Oh, breaking shit and watching people's faces. <laughs> I know that sounds so sadistic, but I love it. I love, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off when they're not expecting it. And then just kind of like getting, and then walking them through that shock and then saying, hey, it wasn't that bad, was it? Because the next band is about to be a lot bigger, you know? And then they just, they kind of develop like this. Uh, it's almost like um, hit training, like uh, high, inter high intensity interval training. So I hate cardio. I love it. Again, it's sprints. I told you that agile permeated everywhere in my life. I can do 30 second sprints, but don't 25 minutes on the treadmill. Hey, you ran four miles. No, I'm in the same damn spot that I started in, but at least in sprints, it's done and it's over. So what I do is I kind of look at like, how can I kind of walk this person through this change and get them through, Hey, run for the next 30 seconds. You're going to hate it, but now, okay, now just walk, just walk. Everything's good. Now run another 30 seconds people are able to kind of handle, they, they create a little bit of a rhythm because they know what's coming. All right, 
Trent, everything's looking good. What are you about to change? I'm so glad you asked. Let's talk through that. <laughs> well, and it sounds like you're making a safe space for them. You're like, you're, you're creating that safety mm -hmm. that it's okay. The next one is going to be bigger, but it's still going to be okay. Yep. So I love yep. that. Do you have any calls of action for our listeners? Uh, well, I would love to do a shameless plug. Uh, SprintRecruiting.com, follow me on LinkedIn, uh, engage, ask questions. I love that kind of stuff. Um, don't get offended by my posts. And if you do, write me. I probably will give you an answer that you won't like, but I love the conversation nonetheless. And if you are so inclined, you can go to Amazon and look for Sprint Recruiting. It's out there. Uh, love the feedback. And if you want to learn more about how to adopt this into your organization, I actually do it uh, with my current company, Hatchworks. Uh, come in and provide the training. Uh, we can do on-site. We can do virtual on-site. It's a lot more fun because I have a whole bunch of activities. And uh, we also do like on-site and, and continuous improvement uh, coaching. So it's, it's kind of fun. I like what I do. Sounds like you're in a sweet spot with all the work that you're doing. Trent, such a delight. Like you have us laughing and crying the whole time. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know we, we need to get a drink together and invite Chad. I think that would be, we, we would sure. either like be the talk of the town or all end up in jail. So it's going to be one of those two. <laughs> Can't we be both? both? Both. Let's do both. We'll get our drinks, we'll get our drinks to go. <laughs> Funny. Well, we are so excited to continue uh, to watch how you're helping to transform HR because it's near and dear to our heart because that's where the catalysts intersect with the organization. So thank you for the good work you're doing there. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at catalystconstellations.com. And be sure to check out our book, Fast Break Shit Burnout. And if you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way. Thanks again.